It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays, raining Jays. Millie's Hey, welcome back This is the Locked On Celtics Podcast We want to thank you for making us part of your daily routine We are here for you Monday through Friday This is the Tuesday show and we are all convening in the secret headquarters of one Jay King. We're the Rain of Jays here to talk about the lineups that everybody wants to talk about. Yeah, Mike, get that clip, Mike, close to the, uh, the... Can we hear the crackling in there? Hold on, let me put my headphones on. It smells delicious, but the crackling of the candle really has a... Uh, can you get that? Can we... No, I don't, I'm not picking it up, I don't Guys, think. you're just going to have to imagine, use your imagination. Yeah, that... There is a... A candle in here and it smells amazing. Yeah. And the crackling. The vanilla bean. It really, the wood fire it's sets legit. a. It's legit. It sets a nice mood. Jay King lives in a fantastic apartment. You know. Hold on. I just have to take a shot at the short sporting news right now. Well, let me go through the intros. From Marcus Morris without. Without, without attribution? Yeah. How oh, dare they? All right. No. You take Hold a shot. On. John, you intro us. Here's it. Let's get, gather your shot. Gather your thoughts. I'm going to intro us. We're the Rain and Jays. I am John Corrales. I'm a beat writer. I cover the Celtics for MassLive.com. To my immediate right, Jay King, the kid who covers the Celtics for MassLive. And to his immediate right, Samuel Jamison Packard III. Jam! But I'd like to correct the record and say Jay King works for The Athletic. What did I say? You said MassLive, where oh. he once worked. Once worked. He's, you know, i got to make sure I get The Athletic. I, I apologize. The Athletic. Okay, now, also known, Samuel Jamison Packard III, also known as... <laughs> Ladies love cool jam. Jam. I got a new name for you too. What? Young baby jam witch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. This is gonna end up being like uh, what was it Rocky Three, where Apollo had like the ten nicknames. AKA Young Baby Jam Witch. AKA. I got. I, I ran out of names. <laughs> <laughs> okay, young we'll start working Young Jam-wich. Baby Jam Witch. And a reminder: you can get the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Uh, on the brand new podcast app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Celtics. Do that, all you new listener gods. We're going to talk about the playoffs. We're going to just power through here. Eight games left in the, in the season. And then the playoffs are coming. We're going to take a look at the Celtics' path. We're gonna, and then we're going to dive into some of these lineups. These We'll try to figure out how the starting lineup's going to go, how these rotations are going to go. But before we do that, Jay King. I'm back. You're back. I had to light up the sporting news real quick. Did you tweet it out? Yeah, I was steaming. Is the sporting news even yeah, relevant anymore? I haven't seen it. They're anything. relevant to me when they steal my quotes. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> what did they do? Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on. They jacked my quote, did not give me any credit for it, acted like they were there for it, 
I was the only one who talked to Marcus Morris. I was the only one who got that quote. I can, I can. So I had to go out there next. That's true. Quotes. Jay King was very patient, waited for Mook to get dressed, and got that that one on one time where all the rest of us were talking to Marcus Smart, who was very relaxed after the the game. Marcus Smart's interview last night. He was sitting down. It felt like he took multiple cigarette breaks in between every single one of his <laughs> answers. He was he was just like. We're all good, baby. <laughs> that was a great, great description of it too. Wait, he he was leaning forward. First of all, we waited an extraordinary amount of time. Well, for the you know in in relative uh, in context with how long it takes everybody else, and then so Marcus Smart comes out well after most of the, the locker room has cleared out, and he sits in his chair versus going to the front where. Most of this stuff. Well, because there's only like three reporters there. Right. Like, left. So he sits in his chair and he's leaning forward. And it was Tim Bontemps asked him, like, so what can you do to fix the defense? He just leans back. Oh, man. Takes a like 10 second pause. <laughs> Two drags on his cigarette. And he, and he drops another under his breath. Oh, man. Like, like we just caught him by serious surprise <laughs> asking him how to fix the defense, which has been a problem for the past two months. And he's like, oh. Well, it was funny. Uh, all the video on MassLive.com, by the way. Ooh. Yeah, shameless plug. So how do they fix the defense? Is it changing the starting lineup? Oh. Segway. That's how that's done. Because I think uh, it might be, but I have no idea. It, whatever you can do to play um, Marcus Morris, maybe some less minutes, but I think uh, you guys all know I'm a, a believer in Brad. But as Brad mentioned, like he he's more worried about the final 42, 42. minutes than he is the starting six. So I think he's got to find the right five players who are going to finish down the stretch. I don't know how much changing the starting lineup has an effect, but they need to do something because they've lost four in a row and they do not look good. I say, like I, my my argument has been that the starts of games have not been the issue. That's why I've been on this. <laughs> Go on. Go ahead. Kick on. <laughs> I don't think the starts of games have been the major issue. Jay? The starting lineup since February 1st is has a minus 5.5 net rating. Okay. So, okay, that's fine. They have a minus 5.5 net rating. So what? Break that out by quarter, B. Yeah. So now here's the thing. They, they start games fine. Third quarters, they shit themselves, and it's the same five guys. Why? We, I, and I'm, I'm all for examining everything. But like my initial solution was maybe you start the, the second half with Jalen Brown instead of Mook. Maybe you do something like that to change things up. I don't know. I don't think the first, like to, to use Brad's terminology, the first six minutes of the game have not been the issue. That's not where anything – I haven't sat through the first six minutes of the game going – what the hell are they doing very often, even during this this bad stretch? The bad things happen late in games or in those third quarters, sometimes the second quarters. So that, I think, would explain that net rating. But if the substitutions are reliant on the starting lineups and the only way to fix the substitution is to go back and change the starting lineup, then all right, well, then we got to talk about it. But I, I think the one thing that we've seen is like the the worst two three man lineups 
all have two common threads, Marcus Morris and or Terry Rozier. When the post-Thanksgiving Celtics were going crazy, Marcus Morris was on fire. Now, Marcus Morris has come way back down to earth. So that seems to be the first place that you look if you're going to change the starting lineup. Like, that seems to be the place. So what do you do? Do you move Jalen, Gordon, or Aaron Baines? Baines? For the record, I just researched the first quarter net rating yeah, ooh, great. of ooh. the Celtics starting On five. his phone, Jay, too. Jay's got a smirk on his face. He's going to hit me with a negative number. No, it's not negative. Unless... We're talking. It's bad. Zero point nine. Okay, decidedly, it's not great. It's not good. <laughs> but not, not okay. good by any stretch of the imagination. But but we're talking about a lineup that was minus what did you say before three? Minus five point five. Minus five point so five. It's been devastatingly bad at other times. So and just bad in the first quarter. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, but that supports both of our points in in depending on how you look at. So the first quarter. They've not been particularly great, but the reason that that number is so bad overall is other points in the game. So, fine. So, you fix it. Aaron Baines, isn't, isn't this weird? Like, we came into the season with all of this promise and all of this talent and all of these wings and switchable, 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 and it seems like Aaron Baines is the, the, the key. He's the to, straw that stirs the he's drink. The, he's the guy, right? Like, so, when Brad Stevens says in the post-game press conference – that the injuries have kept him from looking at the lineups he's most interested in. It's Aaron Baines. Like well, he hasn't Baines had a chance has to look injured. at Baines. Horford's been injured. Hayward's been injured. Tatum. So like there's, Tatum there's, has, but like he was injured one game. But the biggest injuries, the most games missed, have been the bigs. And I think it's important because Marcus Morris he provides some size. Like against against the Spurs last night, you couldn't start anyone but Marcus Morris even if you were like you needed two bigs to go up against Aldridge and Pirtle if you just think about teams in the east the the Raptors can run out two bigs out there uh if they wanted to with Ibaka and Gasol uh you need someone to go against Tobias Harris I don't know if Gordon Hayward's like the the guy to to guard him or Tatum is the guy like I feel like they need Marcus Morris is considerably uh more stout than anyone any of the other wings on the offense it feels like just about as stout do you trust Hayward right now? Is like like guarding, I guess, Kawhi or maybe matching up against Giannis or I don't know. I, I think Marcus Morris has more like has some value in just being like a a bigger dude who's like going to be able to go up and get rebounds and just be like a, a bigger body in the post. I think the the Celtics as they were designed, there's just all these switchable wings as Horford at the center. But in terms of size, we've seen them get kind of abused all season and so I think Mook does provide some value there but it's kind of I think that that's a reason why I think Baines becoming like the fifth starter makes a lot of sense to me because one those lineups have been the Horford Bain lineups have been very productive they were like the best defensive lineup in the in the league pretty much last year but I think they need some of that size and just having it turns out maybe positions does matter because just having four switchable wings is is not useful for them so I, I think there are probably two discussions here one what would be the best starting lineup for the regular season the last eight games of the regular season if you're trying to convince me Baines and Horford is the best m- maybe two what's the best starting lineup for each individual playoff series and I think that's where you run into issues with trying to start 
Horford and Baines all the time. Well, think, I, well I, just think about I, the Pacers, though. Uh, yeah, the, the like Pacers. Like Thad Young. How are they going to deal with Thad Young and Miles Turner? Like, you think Hayward can stop Thad Young? Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm a, I'm a big Thad Young guy, apparently. Yeah, I, I, Thad never, Young will abuse Gordon Hayward. I've never seen such emphatic Thad Young love <laughs> as, as I saw right there. Like, like Thad Young is like this Thad Young's legit. force. Um, so, in the Pacers series, I don't know whether starting those guys is the best. But there are definitely times when they place a bonus and turn it together, and then that matchup could be really good. There are times, and maybe you can get it away with Thad Young because he's not a great three-point shooter. Like he's a decent three-point shooter, but maybe you go with the two bigs and just hope that Horford bashes Thaddeus Young on the block, which he could certainly do. We saw when they played the Sixers, Brad Stevens went to Horford and Baines. Horford and Baines killed against the Sixers before yeah. Baines got hurt. And they could post Horford on basically anyone not named Embiid, and it was easy buckets. And they were they were posting Horford. He had n ones. He was flexing. So you're saying this Baines Horford idea is pretty good? I'm, I'm <laughs> saying I'm saying selectively. I think it's really good if they play the Sixers. I think certainly with Embiid and Simmons, that's a really good matchup for that specific pairing. If you play. The Raptors, and they have Pascal Siakam. Yeah, that's not at the work. four, and they have a lot of versatility and speed. Then they can stretch you out, and I think that's when Baines and Horford becomes more of an issue because you don't have as much speed, you don't have as much versatility, you don't have as much switching as you need deep in this in the postseason. Now this year it's different because LeBron James isn't in the East. And when LeBron James was in the East with shooters around him, even if those shooters were Jordan freaking Clarkson and whoever, God knows who else. Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood, yeah. But when you have LeBron and shooters around him, you need you big playing big guys is two bigs is really tough. There there's not the same level of scary offense, I think, in the East this season. Maybe Milwaukee, and Milwaukee is definitely a series where you can't start Baines and Horford if they get there because Horford, you need him to just mutilate Brooke Lopez. You need to do whatever you can to destroy Brooke Lopez. So I, I, I see both sides of the argument. The defense obviously would be better with Baines and Horford, especially in the regular season. But I think you need to be able to play small too, and they haven't been able to do that. I'm I'm intrigued still by the opening night starting lineup as bad. But as that it was that's like what like I think we'll get to this in the next segment. But kind of what is intriguing about the Celtics is they have an ability to match up and change and be like a different team against different matchups. What's wild is that Brad Stevens, a couple years ago, game three against the Bulls, he just goes, "I'm starting Gerald Green." He's completely willing to throw a complete starting lineup curveball in there. But during the regular season, it seems like he says he thinks about it every single day. (laughs) You think about it every single day, Brad, but you haven't said maybe we'll try something different? Well, I think for Brad Stevens, it's the easiest thing for the Celtics is to not go through all of this stuff that we're talking about and that we've been talking about and people have been screaming about. The easiest thing for the Celtics is for guys to just do what they're asked to do and not try to go beyond those things that they're asked to do. But 
They've got a bunch of guys who think that they're great and who think that they have opportunities in moments to be superstars. They, they, too many guys try to seize moments, and they're not that type. Kyrie Irving is that type. There's a select few guys, like a dozen or 20 or whatever guys in the NBA that can go out there and just take a moment and seize it and make it their own. But these guys all think that they can. What they should be doing is letting the game flow dictate when it's their turn to take two or three shots in a row. Like you look at the Charlotte game. When the game flow was saying, Jalen Brown's the hot guy. Let's feed Jalen Brown. And what the Celtics did was, okay, we're up 18. Now it's my turn. But they I'm going to throw the knockout punch. They don't punch. feed hot guys. Like that's not no, how they their don't. Work. Exactly. It's read and react. It's equal opportunities. Like I have less of a like. There's sometimes where the offense just doesn't work and it's like a, a bad Terry Rozier floater or a Mook step in long two, which is like that's the problematic. But their whole offense is designed between read and react. Whoever gets the best shot gets the best shot. And that leads to a lot of like Daniel Tice. But you've got quickest to take trigger good on the shots. Team. What? You've got to take good shots. And Daniel I think Tice, he takes nothing but good shots. He misses a lot of them, but like and because teams mostly leave him open. But I think like the, the Tice guy's shooting like 40 percent from the arc. I know, but he like he's got the quickest trigger on the team, and sometimes Tice God's got to slow down a little if you bit. Shoot 40%, <laughs> let it fly. Baby. Against the Spurs, it was a lot of like, wow, Tice has found himself wide open. I wonder why that is. And I think like there's like a weird design, and like it feels weird that the the Celtics haven't gone to okay, let's just try a whole. Just like let's run Kyrie and Al pick and rolls like eight times in a row. That's just like never something we've seen the Celtics. Do. You know what? I feel like that's something that we could probably see. Like there, there's a reason why, and Brad Stevens kind of slid this into a post game comment once, and no one ever really did anything with it. But there's a lot of stuff that they haven't put in yet. There's a lot of stuff that we think that would work, but they don't use it because I think he's saving bullets. And the, like I said before, the the point I was making was these guys. The easiest thing for them to do would to be would be to just not take some of these quick trigger shots that they love to take. And that's, I mean, everybody is guilty of that except for like Al Horford, but they, if they just actually work the ball around and yeah, there are some times when Jalen Brown or somebody else is the hot guy. And in that working the ball around, you're actively trying to set a play and say, let's get Jalen Brown coming off of a pick. You know, you say you pin down and he comes around and catches the ball moving and see what he can do with it after he scored two, three times. And maybe the defense will overreact to him and then maybe he can make a pass. At least go go to it once, twice in in those scenarios and see if he can just keep it going. And like the Spurs did with Lamarcus Aldridge. The Spurs are the the ball movement team. But in that first quarter, they went to Lamarcus Aldridge. All the time. And it's easy to dump a ball into the post and let a guy pl- pass out of the post and play out of the post. But it's also easy when he's either your best player or your second best player. I think the Spurs were a ball movement team, and now they're like the lord of the mid-range and just feeding LaMarcus Aldridge, which is another thing we but can talk about. The Aldridge design isn't the in there. It's like ball movement like crazy. It's Spurs basketball. But yeah, but and I get it. Yeah, he's like their second best player or their best player. But on that night, in Charlotte, Jalen Brown was their best player. Also, Kyrie at 30-something. Sure, but Kyrie wasn't the problem. And my point here is not to harp on that game, but my point here is that when we talk about lineups and rotations, 
and why Brad Stevens, my opinion, and why Brad Stevens keeps holding on to some of these rotations when people are screaming and it seems like this is the time to change things is because he's given these guys every last opportunity to to figure out that if you do the things that I'm telling you to do and asking you to do, then things will go great. And they have gone great when they've done that. But how do you balance, like, I guess, keeping one in the chamber with, like, I guess, Al, Kyrie, pick and roll, or saying the things he hasn't done yet with just building good habits and trying to win? Like, everything is, like, solved. And, like, so many people would feel better about the season if the Celtics just had won, like, have won five more games than they currently have. And, like, you got to build good habits. You have to have something to, like, rely on when it's, like, a tough time in the playoffs and, like, you definitely need a stop here. You definitely need a bucket. At what point does the Celtics, I guess there's only eight games left, so you can't say, like, they can do it in the last eight games. At what point do they just need to start winning basketball games? So we've got – I've got two thoughts here. One, I do think the Celtics would be best off this season if they ran mostly everything through Kyrie and Al. I think since the the depth thing hasn't been the same since Gordon Hayward came back and he wasn't. But how pissed level. off would everyone else on that, the team if that I'm, happened? So that's that's the other issue here is everyone else is already pissed off because their roles aren't big enough and they don't have what they envision individually. If everything was being run through Kyrie and Al and Tatum and Brown and Hayward and Morris and Smart were all just role players. It would be, I think, frustrating. Now, would it be more frustrating than it's been? I don't know. It's like it, okay, and, if and you're so, so I get why they've tried this egalitarian thing. And Ooh, did I, you say egalitarian? I heard eagle instead of equal, but go on. Ega, Sorry, ego. Ega. Oh, that's a word I don't even I know. I normally hear it pronounced. Ooh, the, I just outsmarted I, I normally hear I normally hear it pronounced egalitarian, <laughs> but that's fine. But I, I don't so, oh, so, I, so oh, egalitarian. So here's the thing. My, <laughs> but I like my, that word. My brothers always get on me about this because I read a lot. And Ooh, I, big reader. Big Ooh. reader. No big deal. And I I pick up words that I have no clue how to pronounce. And then I try to pronounce them and I'm always wrong. Every single time. <laughs> and so it could be egalitarian, egalitarian. I think I like egalitarian. I like that. Well, that sounds way, like a person way, who only I eats eagles. Of, I sort of outsmarted an Ivy Leaguer, and I sort of was just a moron. But, so but it's get, still a good word. That's a great word. I, I get Sorry why to the derail you have, there. have tried to stress, like, depth is our key, and depth is what separates us. I don't think it is. I think Kyrie and Al Horford being great is what – ultimately will separate the Celtics if they advance in the playoffs. I think those two guys will give fits to other teams and boom. Boom. It's time it's time to wrap this the up, depth, Sam Packers telling me. That's the, what I was saying. I think that's a perfect transition to talking about what's gonna go right in should, the playoffs. You should see him. He, he's I was, try- well, I was trying to, because John's the quarterback here. I was trying to signal to John but, that was a perfect transition. John was on his phone, or John was. I'm sitting here. I'm like keeping an eye on Brooklyn, this. Portland on the TV screen. Right, I got, I got Brooklyn right now in the money line. I got, I got that uh, bed in fever with the tournament. <laughs> we use the mybookie.ag. That's a sponsor of ours. Use Locked On NBA. Nice. I like that. All right, let's take a break. We're going to be right back. Remember, you can get this show uh, every day. Subscribe to Locked On Celtics on the new Himalaya podcast app. 
it and ever expanding podcast world you need himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day download himalaya at your app store and subscribe to locked on celtics we'll be right back on the locked on celtics podcast NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA Network of Podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA Podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. So we left off talking about what would be great for the playoffs and Al Horford and Kyrie Irving pick and rolls. Uh, who wants to pick it up from there? Sam, you had a point. I guess my point was, was like, what do we expect from the Celtics moving forward? They're right now, I don't think they have a chance of becoming the fourth seed, but with the way they're playing, they're likely going to be the fifth seed. And if you hold out hope, if you're going to practice some sports optimism here, you have to say that the Celtics are going to pull it together. Uh, there's going to be they're basically going to rely on Kyrie Al Horford playing 40 minutes a game, and eventually the depth that Jay was talking about is not going to be relied upon as as much. It's going to be those guys are going to uh, fill in, and you're just going to have players like Terry Rozier having like a a smaller impact, maybe at like 15 minutes a game. And they're going to, like, they have the talent, they can do it. But I guess the question is, like, what has to go right? The fact that they haven't, like, had, like, a lot of strong winning and there's not a lot of experience to rely on, uh, is that a problem for them moving forward? Do you have any faith in this this team to kind of put it together if they're the four seed, if they're the five seed? Well, first, I guess you guys can answer the question if the four or five seed matters. Because I'm under the opinion the Celtics, if they're going to put it together, they really shouldn't. Home court shouldn't be the the issue there. They should. They're either. They have the capability of basically being the most talented team on the floor and putting it together, and they should be able to win a road series, like three in a row. Right. 
because if it if it really matters that much for the first round, they're not getting past the second. Right. Round. If yeah, if if they cannot beat the Pacers on the road, then they're not going to accomplish anything of note in this season. So might as well just wipe them out of the playoffs anyway. <laughs> the rest of the season should be resting Al Horford and Kyrie Irving and Jason Tatum and making sure that everyone is and Baines is as healthy as possible going into the playoffs because that really should not matter. Go forty three and thirty nine. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I I I let Brad I, Wanamaker cook. Let PJ Dozier cook. Very side note, since they signed Greg Monroe, PJ Dozier didn't have a locker and he was just like in the middle sad. of the locker room. It's it was sad. a very it felt mean. <laughs> they just had him pile up all his stuff on a chair. Yeah, like, that's Come on. sad. That locker room is small. They, they've had bigger locker rooms on the road. Uh, but they're, they're redoing it. So maybe next time, if he exists on this team next year, he'll get a locker in that situation. But I, I agree that for the Celt- if the Celtics are going to make a run, they have the, the first thing they have to do is get their shit together. Like, that's obvious. Uh, so in that sense... Four seed versus five seed doesn't matter. It would be nice to get the four seed. It'd be nice to have home court and maybe mitigate their travel, at least in one of these rounds. They've already put themselves out of the mix for home court moving beyond that if they move beyond that. So why not? I've got a theory. Lay it on us. This is right off the top of the dome. Best kind of theory. Brad Stevens has intentionally tried to sabotage the Celtics this season so that, so that he could get a series in Indiana. Apple. <laughs> <laughs> get some time at home. To maximize the time back in Indianapolis. Oh, man, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Well, we'll see what happens if I, they start. Nobody. that's as good a theory as any. So they've got two more games against the Pacers, and so they still have a, a great opportunity to go ahead and take that four seed. But if they go ahead and rest Kyrie and Al Horford and everybody, do you think the players give a fuck about any of those seedings? Like, because the attitude after they lost nope. to the Spurs was just like, "We're gonna put it together. Like, we know we're good. We're gonna figure it out in the playoffs." What was it? Because that's what they said to us. But they, they also, also held a long team meeting. First of all, before Brad Stevens came to his press conference, and then they held. What seemed like probably a longer team meeting behind closed doors once Brad was gone. So they are frustrated. They have to be frustrated. It, this is not just something that they brushed off. By the time they spoke to us, whether it was because Brad told them, let's not say anything crazy, let's stop riding the emotional roller coaster, which is something he told the press that they have to stop doing. I don't think it was all sunshine. In that locker room, like they no. portrayed to us, that was that was certainly not the case. Like they, their last four games have been absolutely brutal. <laughs> last two games, I thought the Sixers game was fine. Yeah, until they blew an eighteen point lead and let Jimmy Butler destroy them. And but that had like the tons wait, of if Kyrie makes if Kyrie makes two or three layups, that's like an entirely different he game. He didn't. I know. So like, what are you going to do about that? Uh. Like, do you think they're yelling at Kyrie for not making those layups? If it was a one-time thing and Kyrie just missed whatever. If then you go to Charlotte and you give up a 30-5 to run and then you allow LaMarcus Aldridge to have 9,000 points in a single game. Yeah, but they're throwing Daniel Tice at him. Like, there have been injuries. I'm like, 
I didn't see the Charlotte okay. game because I was at T Pain concert, so I didn't feel that. But let's like, let's discuss Al Horford's impact. Al Horford is because the key the, to the, the Eastern. Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice can't play any minutes in the playoffs. Like they get to go like an eight man, maybe nine man with Shemi rotation. No, Shemi would be the tenth man. But like, there's been a lot of times that like the injuries this year have had an impact. And the Celtics should be tougher because they have that depth and they should be able to overcome them. But clearly, like they're just not there yet. And so anytime Al Horford doesn't play, what someone tweeted the other day, though, was it you, the like their net rating when Al Horford's not on the floor? Negative 8.1 over 474 <laughs> minutes since February 1st. That's not That's good. Not they good. are the Phoenix Suns without <laughs> Al Horford. Yeah. So Al Horford hopefully will be playing 40 minutes a game or right near there during the playoffs. Yeah. And what is their net rating with Al Horford? And so that's that's another issue I have with the possible Baines Horford front court. Is As you need someone to spell if, him. If you play yeah. those together, you need a third big. And then you, Moose. you go to Tice. <laughs> no, he can't Tice, play Moose. Like, like we said, Tice, I thought Tice was super reliable last season. I thought Tice, if he had stayed healthy, was going to be a big impact player last season. This year he hasn't been as successful. He hasn't held up as well. And he had a stretch though where he was just on fire and he was like it hasn't been it hasn't been he's in a full had, season thing he's had injuries too sure so that those have probably impacted him he said one of the injuries was because he was favoring his leg that he had offseason surgery on so he he's he's dealt with it and I, I don't think this is necessarily the player he will always be or the the player he is when he's healthy but he's been kind of picked on i remember there was a point season. in the middle of the season where I was sitting there thinking, like, damn, the Celtics are not going to have the ability to re-sign Daniel Tice because he was playing well enough where I was thinking, like, they don't have his bird rights and he's a restricted free agent and a team's going to be able to come in here and make a reasonable offer and they're going to take him away and that's not going to be great for the Celtics. And now, right now, the way he's playing, people are like, yeah, fine, go, bye. But so, and there's been a lot of that for, for these, like, one guy, Mook, will be playing great for a stretch, and then all of a sudden he's not anymore. And and so the inconsistency, the injuries, and all of that stuff, yeah, yeah. that all that all hurts. And I, I think that's partly why the Baines injury mattered so much is because the Celtics haven't found another big. Robert Williams never emerged. Daniel Tice has taken a step back. Yabuselli, you, you can't rely on him. So they never found that other big. That's why Mook gets so many minutes because he's like right. has some size. He's got size. And like he's got the size to guard fours. He was for a while too, and he was shooting fifty percent. <laughs> <laughs> he was having a fifty forty ninety season. We had legitimate conversations about he was sure, was I, he going to be I an all star? Luke is an all star t shirt. <laughs> I you have know? design all already. So like that's those are good times. <laughs> <laughs> so moving forward, we we talk about the like the most cliche thing about a playoff series is like oh the best player in the series is going to win that like. They dominate when the playoffs take over. We don't have to worry about that. How much faith do you have in Kyrie Irving to take over? A, like, okay, and for- Kyrie Irving and now Horford. Just we talk about their pick and roll. How much faith do you have in the Celtics to be like? They really should beat the Pacers. So I'm talking about round two. The How- Pacers are tough. I, if they lose tough. to freaking Bogdan Bogdanovich or Bojan, whatever whatever Bogdan, <laughs> whatever Bogdanovich is the one on their team, I'm just saying the Pacers. Even with Thad Young, they should not lose to the Indiana Pacers. Yeah, the Pacers remind me of last year's Celtics. They lost their star, but they have one of the best defenses in the league. They're tough as hell, 
and the they're, Celtics they're have, not going to give an inch. And the Celtics have been scatterbrained for a while. If if they don't find something, and maybe that's just playing Kyrie and Al more minutes. Maybe that's turning to them more often. Maybe it's just showing up in the playoffs and deciding, hey, we give a damn. The Pacers will give them a good series. I don't know whether the Pacers a good series, but they should. They should, sure, but they should have done a lot of things this season, and that shit has not happened. That's true. But now it's the playoffs. Now things matter. Now Kyrie's (laughs) going to care. Kyrie, I feel like, has been. There was some press conference two weeks ago. Is like we just need to get to the playoffs. Enough of this kaizen incremental improvement. (laughs) It's true. He has been very much anti. So if we're just ready, like. That he can turn over, like just him and that Al playing pick and roll, I feel like can dominate a series. And so, I guess how much faith do you have in that? Just being it, like them being able to turn that on. I mean, we've seen them step up against good teams before. They we've play seen. well against good teams, right? They Generally play well speaking. against the. Uh, they lost a one to the Bucks recently. I guess the last game against the Raptors wasn't great, but they lost against the Sixers, gave up an eighteen point lead. The they, Sixers game was close. The Sixers just, game they they just got mutilated by the, the Spurs. Sixers game. They held the Sixers to thirty eight percent shooting. There once was a time when I would have said yes, the Celtics play well against good teams. That time has passed. They are six and ten since the All Star break. They are eleven and twelve in their last twenty three games. They have not played well against anybody lately. Sure, lately, lately. What are you talking? They played great like, against the Warriors. They played great against the they had that, uh, that Lakers. One fantastic game against. Remember that plane, man? That plane ride. <laughs> the was plane so ride. Fun. But no, seriously though, like plane ride was sick. Is like you're riding the roller coaster, Jay. Don't get off that emotional roller coaster there. I mean, this isn't a roller coaster. This is the last 23 games. That's more than one quarter of the season. Sure, but they have had a negative net rating. This is not a roller coaster. This is who they have been. Now, is it who they've always will be? Maybe, maybe not. But if if you're trusting, but these during Celtics, that was like you're, we you're trusting that they will become something that they haven't been, except for one stretch of the season that was. But Baines after had a, a horrible start, and before the horrible. So okay, when they're fully healthy, they're closer to the the team that was playing well. That like terrible stretch, Baines shouldn't matter this much. But Baines had like a weird foot injury during that time, and there's like other things that are going on. I don't remember the exact dates. Don't quote me on numbers, guys. But <laughs> I think there's like they have they clearly have the potential to turn it on and play well. So why don't we take a break? We'll come back. We'll focus on the this path in the playoffs. If we're talking about our faith in them to play well, we'll look at the path that they're going to take and see. Because sometimes Whether a team plays well or not in the playoffs depends on who they face in the playoffs. So let's take a look at that when we come back after this break on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Before the break, the extended break, we were talking about the playoffs and our confidence and who can step up in, in this path. So we are facing the Indiana Pacers in the first round for sure. And we've already talked a little bit about that. Does everybody feel confident about, regardless of home court, getting past the Pacers? 
They do have Thaddeus Young, um, but I think the Celtics, they absolutely should. If they can't get past the Pacers, it's absurd. I know Miles Turner is good. People are talking about him being defensive player of the year in the conversation, not actually being that guy. Uh, They have, like, decent pieces. McMillan's a good coach, and they try their asses off. They do remind you of the Celtics last year, but... You know what's my favorite thing about defensive player of the year candidates? Is that Al Horford always is a problem and a half for them in playoff series? Yeah, and I think he would be a problem and a half for the Pacers. It's an interesting question because, and not to derail things, but what the hell? The the defensive player of the year candidates are always bigs, almost always bigs, because they they and they do have a big impact on the game, on the game, blocking shots, rebounding, all of that stuff. But those big shot blockers can easily be well, not easily, but with Al Horford can be game planned out. You pull those guys away from the basket, and they, that reduces their impact significantly. Uh, Rudy Gobert is probably going to be a defensive player of the year again, and he can be game planned out. I mean, he struggles in the playoffs. You take him away, and, and it, it just changes the dynamic. That's why these matchups are so important. That's why when we look at whether we're playing – so the the path would be – if you get to the finals, that path would have to be Indiana, Milwaukee, Toronto, and you look at those teams and you say, just like you said earlier, Jay, Al Horford, you need Al Horford, and you can't play him in Baines because Al Horford has to go up against Lopez, and that's how you change what they've done in the regular season. A a defense for Milwaukee that is funneling – Guys, like they, they let you take some threes. They let you take certain threes. They let the most threes in the league. They do. But they also gear towards, if you get past that line of defense, they're really hoping that it's Brooke Lopez that can defend the rim. And if you're pulling him away, then you're you're really taking away a lot of what the the Bucks have been able to do successfully. And then he stretching the floor. If you can't play him defensively, then he can't stretch the floor on offense. And that changes the dynamic because now you go throw Miritich in there. And then the Celtics love to attack Miritich. That's like one of their favorite pastimes. So you look at the confidence in this team. Like, I don't want to gloss over things that are happening now because they're serious problems. At the same time, you get into a playoff series against the Pacers and you can throw a lot of this shit out because it doesn't matter what they did against the Spurs because they're not playing the Spurs. It doesn't matter what they did against the Clippers they're not playing the Clippers. If you can go out there and get the right matchups against the Pacers and those guys can try and not do some of the stupid things that they've done, then all of a sudden the entire dynamic change changes and the team can look significantly different because – a, they match up right, and B, they are trying, and part of the problem that they've been having all along is they don't try enough. So what you're saying is Al Horford's the most important player in the Eastern Conference playoffs. In the entire NBA. I, I strongly agree. Other than Thad Young or including Thad Young? Oh, he'll dominate Thad Young. <laughs> My concern was that Al Horford would have to go up against Miles Turner and have to leave Mook to Thad Young, but clearly the hierarchy is Al Horford, everyone else, Thad Young, then Mook. But <laughs> I don't know. Like the Celtics should have a like Kyrie and Al, and then any combination of three other guys, whether it be 
You have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Marcus Morris, and Gordon Hayward to choose from, and then some some Aaron Baines action. Like that that sounds like a recipe for a decent playoff team. And especially because Kyrie's on the Versa climber. He's getting those. He's getting ready for those forty minutes. You guys have mentioned the Versa climber twice tonight, and I don't know what you're talking about. So during Kyrie's press conference, he, among other things, stated that this time of year he hops on the Versa climber and gets ready to play (laughs) forty minute battles. He's on the Versa climber. He's on the treadmill. Like a like a. I think it's the stairmaster. No, I think it's that like the thing with the pegs where you slide the pegs up and down, and you're essentially a stairmaster. Yeah. with hand things going on. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. Yeah, but he he's on there. He's on the first climber. He's preparing for battles. Yes. So, <laughs> but can he win the battle? So, do you answer your own question? What do the Celtics do against the Indiana Pacers in a seven game series? Make a prediction, Jay King. Not you're true. you're very much a middleman. You hate making predictions, but I want you to have a take. I, I am very much convinced that the Celtics should beat the Pacers <laughs> in a seven game series. <laughs> That's strong take. And that the Pacers will will not be an easy out anyway because their defense is really, really good. Quantos games. That's Spanish for how many games? Seis. Seis. That's Espanol. (laughs) Para six. Six. (laughs) (laughs) I think the Celtics should win in five, but I wouldn't be surprised. But, like, in Greek on this Independence Day, this Greek Independence Day. Yasu. Yeah, weak country. Ooh. Their dollar value is really low. I don't really mean that to the people back back home listening. Any Greeks out there? I was just trying to get at Corrales. But like, fi- trying like to come at out, me by attacking figure, my entire heritage. Just and figure all out of the my austerity, of cousins. <laughs> Shouts to Demos Restaurant, Watertown, and yeah. all my Greek Shout brothers from Watertown and the Kokoris family. Shout out to Giannis, Scott Ta, the Yasu, only good Greek <laughs> athlete who ever lived. Malaka, Malaka. Those are all swear words, except for Yasu. That just means hello. And I, goodbye. I just called Giannis the only good Greek athlete who ever lived. In I can't name another Greek athlete. I'm totally. I'm totally. No, it's it's called ignoring. Ah, the not justifying it with a response. I didn't dispute it. Okay. Do you think the Celtics have a chance? Say they get past the Pacers, second round. Yes. We'll say Brogdon's not back. Do they have a chance against the Milwaukee Bucks, mm-hmm. who they've played quite well against? They. I think they have a chance anyway. Do you think they have a, so as long as they're not chi- morons, they just have to stop being morons. <laughs> That's but, really what it boils but, down to, right? It's taken Brad morons. Stevens, smarter man than all of us combined, five months, to, and he hasn't figured out how to have them stop being morons. If they just stop being morons. So, okay, so Brad Stevens, this is such an interesting question because it involves so much that we don't know. When you say Brad Stevens hasn't been able to stop them from being morons, is he like what's he what's he been doing? Like he allows a lot of things, and I think he never takes a timeout. People get very upset when he does. Very upset take about the timeout. the timeout situation. Jared Dudley is hooping, boy. <laughs> Sorry, we're watching the Nets Blazers game on mute on NBA TV, and Jared Dudley. The doughy hooper is <laughs> doughy hooper. Is killing it. There's nothing Jay King likes more than an out of shape hooper. First Chunky all, dime slinger in Nikola Jokic. <laughs> now Jared Dudley, the Jared, doughy hooper. Jared Dudley is one of the smartest basketball players in the league. My man is chunky. He, he's 50 years old. My man is old. He looks soft, and my man still helps the squadron. He does. 
Are they playing a little two three zone here? I don't even know what type of zone they're playing. Do you think there's gonna be any first round upsets? This Do you think like podcast. the Pistons or the Nets <laughs> have a chance at all? No. The Pistons beat the Sixers or the, Would uh, the Celtics Nets beating the Pacers be an upset? No, that's not an upset. The Celtics are the fifth no. seed. Do you think the Orlando Wait, Magic, who kicked the shit out of the Seventy uh, Sixers tonight, can? Is that the three six? The, no, they Magic are just just trying to make the playoffs. Three six right now would be the. 76ers and the Pistons. The Pistons, who have the best offense in the league over like last three weeks. Yeah, but the Pistons, like fools gold. Yeah, like Blake can do some stuff, but like you can, there, there's. Just, you don't believe in Reggie Jackson? Okay. Another question along those lines. Pistons have the number one offense in the league over the last however many weeks. Celtics have the 19th ranked defense, the very worst defense among all mm-hmm. playoff teams playoff headed teams over the last basically two months Mm -hmm. how concerned are you guys that they just don't have it on that end anymore and what can brad stevens do to make them into a strong defensive team again i don't have a good or a great answer uh, but it's uh, that's it, always a good way to start off. Here. <laughs> I want to, but along those I lines, education, totally we're right. talking about forty minutes from Kyrie Irving. How much of a defensive liability is Kyrie Irving in the playoffs? We've seen him be high effort, Kyrie Irving, like drawing charges and trying to get steals. But in the playoffs, game slows down. You can really kind of isolate Jared on Dudley him. Diamond people, sorry. <laughs> you just love Jared Dudley. Um, but how much of a defensive liability? You're going to need Kyrie Irving for. X many minutes a game and so many points, but how much of a liability is him? And larger, I guess the question is, because I don't have a great answer to it, I mentioned that previously, uh, is the defense as a whole, because they haven't been great, especially without Aaron Baines. And so can they sustain a good defensive effort with Kyrie playing that many minutes? The answer, yes. The answer is that it's the same answer for everything. They can if they try. We've seen them try, and when, why is their defense so bad? It's not because they suddenly became bad defensive players. It's become because they've suddenly become stupid when they're playing defense or morons or whatever. However, else we, they are are not doing the things that made them a good defensive team. And earlier in the season, they had a stretch there where they were the top ranked defense in the NBA. They had a stretch where they were very good because guys are locked in and they when they're going through their rotations, they they're all on the same page. When they are all on the same page, when it's we're switching here, or when you're uh in transition and you're opposite the ball, how far into the lane are you? Are you are you helping enough? Are you are you so you can cut off a drive, prevent a drive from even happening because a defender sees that you're in a position to help, so he's not going to make that drive versus putting your head down, not paying attention, and leaving a lane wide open. It's stupid things versus smart things. And I've seen them do smart things, and I've seen them do stupid things. And if the smart Celtics show up, then they can absolutely be the top defensive team again or close to the top defensive team again. But... This Celtics team is not good enough to do stupid things and get get away with it. If they get relax, if they feel too comfortable, then they won't. And my biggest criticism of this team this year has been when they get up 
20 points and they feel comfortable, they all start screwing around because it's their turn to get their 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 glory, their their numbers and whatever. So if if they start doing that in the playoffs and they get it big because they have the potential to get it big and they start screwing around again, then the same exact thing's going to happen. We're going to see the same pattern. Just don't be stupid. Execute the, the the plan. Do what you're supposed to do on offense. Be where you're supposed to be, and things will work out if they do that. So one issue I would I would say has popped up, and we've seen the Celtics be an elite defensive team for two the first two months. I think they were the top ranked defense. They were really locking down, even when their offense was hideous. They were 500 because they were they were playing really good defense. Um, solid. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> um, I just lost track of thought because <laughs> because I cracked a beer John open. John cracked a beer open. <laughs> I, I was I wasn't ready for that. They were good on defense. That threw me off. Defense, um, defense. They were good, but they've been bad. So no, what what I was trying to say is they've been <laughs> bad for so long that you develop bad habits. How and sad is it that? Sam Packard is the guy that gets us back on track, and, and you fall you <laughs> fall back on bad habits. And this is a team that hasn't built good habits with shot selection, hasn't built good habits with defensive communication, hasn't built good habits in transition defense, hasn't built good habits in a whole lot of areas. That's that's the ultimate question: is they have the potential to be great, but they have no habits of being great whatsoever. And so, can a team? Just turn it on. Here's my take. My take is that all of the shit that Brad Stevens has been criticized for, he starts doing in the playoffs. So when a guy starts screwing around... I've got one more question, but continue. Okay. When a guy starts screwing around and he starts doing the things like pulling pulling up after four seconds, in, like 19 on the shot clock. I but think, that means he has to take Marcus Smart out of every game. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, it's... Maybe not like the hair trigger, but like he's he's going to respond. He's going to make rash decisions like starting Gerald Green and like he, it's well, do or die. Yeah, it's going to be. But it is how much does that do or die apply to the whole team? Like how much does that whole team come together and like focus in because it's that? Because I think the Jay King point about habits is is important because everything you hear about team sports or everything you hear about competition is the playoffs is like you dig down you dig deep and you rely on like the things you built over this whole season you go to those moments where you knew what you were doing and like you come together and you like that's why we've worked so hard is so we knew what we were going to do in this moment the Celtics don't know what they're going to do in that moment they just have to rely on the their potential to maybe do the right thing in that moment and that's kind of a scary thing from sure. the fan perspective be like they could be great, but nothing from here is just like said that they're going to be and great. And most of the time when you talk about a team that has a switch, it's a team that's won something. It's the 2004 Pistons that over the next however many years took the foot off the gas during the regular season. It's the 2010 Celtics that didn't give a damn over the second half of the season and then went into the playoffs and reached the finals. They're teams that have a pedigree and that know when – know how to flip the switch and know what they need to do in the finals and have done it before. But this isn't the same kind of switch. What switch? <laughs> it's not. Those guys didn't didn't try because they were all conserving themselves. Like, it's not that they didn't. It's not like they did stupid things. So they this just, is like a they all don't like playing with each other switch? Uh, this, a, is, <laughs> this is the way I see it. 
This is a group of guys who have been playing selfishly through extended periods of the season. And the switch in this particular instance is them suddenly deciding that they're not going to go off on selfish tangents. So, for example, Terry Rozier, one or of the guys. They're gonna, oh. No, they're going to let Kyrie go off on selfish tangents. Like that's basically but that's, like that's his like, game, and that's where he's 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 good at. They that. should let Kyrie go. Like off on Ky- Kyrie's standards. good at that. That's his strength. That's what makes him great. But what they're not going to do in this scenario, I don't know if this is actually going to play out or not, is that. And I'll just go back to that Charlotte because it's such a great example. When things are going great in this scenario, they will let things continue to go great. That's the switch. They will not do what Tatum and Rozier did, which is take back-to-back, ill-advised pull-up threes that suddenly, as Brad Stevens even put it after the game, suddenly we start taking shots that we hadn't taken up until then. That is the switch, that those guys switch off the selfish part of their game that says, okay, I'm going to go get my numbers, that they're going to just say, continue and I don't know if they're going to but that's the switch that they're going to say we're going to continue running this good offense and then we're going to continue we're not going to let a missed shot get in our heads and run back and be upset about that we're going to put that behind us and go back and play the next play that and going back to your point about the habits the fact that they haven't done that is very troubling because your your muscle memory up until that point has been to be upset. And it's hard to switch that off. But when I think of the Celtics are going to, quote-unquote, flip a switch, that's what I'm talking about. And it's not like the, the 2010 Celtics or those Pistons teams that were just old and tired and saying, we are just going to punt a third of this season because we are we're going to save our legs because we're old and we need to save our legs for a playoff run. That's the difference to me. Okay, so I have two points here. The second one will be the question that I have hyped up so much. Sure. Uh, the the first point is I think reallocating some of Marcus Morris's minutes to Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward will be a big deal. Yes. And along the same lines, playing Al Horford and Kyrie both 40 minutes or north of 40 minutes will be enormous for this Celtics team. Yes. The question I have, and it's one I've been thinking about too frequently, um, if the Celtics hadn't had the run that they did in the playoffs last year and they hadn't had what I think is a really fortunate draw with the Bucks, yep. Who I, I think I know where you're going with this, good, and the Sixers, who at the time I think were really overrated because they had won a lot of games. Yeah, they had that huge winning streak that against horrible against teams. No, nobody. How differently would our conversation right now be about this Celtics team? Would we be talking about whether they could flip the switch? No. Or would we just think they didn't have a switch? At all. No, I would – I'll tell you what. My belief is that if that run never happened, if they lose in the first round last year, then they don't come in 
with the same attitudes that they come in, they came into this season with. And then this season, first of all, the expectations would have been lower because we wouldn't have said, hey, look at all the stuff they did, and they're adding Kyrie, and they're adding Gordon Hayward. But also, they would have actually been closer to living up to the expectations that we set this year because those guys would have accepted their roles because Tatum and Brown and Rozier wouldn't have had those big ego-boosting runs. Rozier would not have his Puma deal, which he got because of that playoff run for sure. Uh, Who knows if Tatum maybe worked out with Kobe, maybe not. Who knows if Jalen Brown works out with T-Mac, maybe he does, maybe, maybe he doesn't. But they don't have that. They're not gassed up the same way. Like we... Over the summer, we talked about should they trade for Kawhi Leonard? People were saying, why? And I was one of them. Why trade for Kawhi Leonard when Jalen Brown could turn into Kawhi Light? And you don't need him to be Kawhi Leonard, but he could turn into a version of Kawhi Leonard. No one's talking about that if they if they don't make the run that they made last year. So my point is, if they, if they went out early, like they were quote-unquote supposed to, then they would have come into this season a little bit more grounded, a little bit more accepting of their roles. They wouldn't have been maybe as jealous or whatever it was of Gordon Hayward when he was getting his minutes. They would have understood why Gordon Hayward is getting his minutes. And they, it would have been a little easier to say, you're not the, the big superstar you think you are. You are a role player right now, and you're still growing into your role. What? Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier, like that that type of stuff. So that's how I think that would have played out. Ooh, you you flipped it the other way. Yeah, I like that. How you flipped it the other way from we wouldn't be having the flip the switch conversation because they wouldn't need to flip this. No, because they'd be like the second seed right now. Like I feel like I feel like that team, if they didn't make that playoff run last year, that that team, this team right now, would be somewhere north of fifty wins already. Like somewhere like 53, 54, 55 wins. God damn it, I re- Joe I re- Prunty. I reject. Why couldn't I- you just manufacture a game seven bucks win? Joey Prunt couldn't do it. But that, I mean, that that is completely like just entertaining a counterfactual. There's no way to disprove what you're saying. Well, what, like, I'm not, I I'm not saying it's a fact. That's I my belief. I came into the season as a Celtics fan being like, they got Gordon Kyrie. They're still going to win 55 games. There still would have been pretty but like pretty solid expectations it, it, with putting I, that team I, I together agree. it wouldn't have been like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were coming off averaging 18 or 19 points a game in the playoffs it wouldn't be Terry Rozier had averaged 15 5 and 5 while leading his team to within a game of the NBA finals there wouldn't have been those dynamics we came in thinking they were a 60 win team that was going to run away with the top seed so what you're we're gonna thought they're gonna be a 55 win team like there's like, would have been like i Kyrie feel like gordon hayward and al horford like there, no it still would have been high expectations i just said there'd be a 55 win team that's still but people would have said like well if, if everything remained the same but that playoff thing happened the way jay said then i think the general consensus would be like okay toronto is obviously number one because they got Kawhi. And they're they're pretty great, but Boston can be right there for number two, and yeah, but and then Gordon Hayward shows up and is crap for the first three months, and people are fine. still upset that he doesn't live up to expectations. I just feel like it's like a weird counterfactual to like. To what do say they have what now? The what do they have now? Like they, they have forty what three wins? Is that right? So they they they're probably going to finish over the next eight games. 
with 40, like 45, 46, 47 wins somewhere in that range. I just think it's weird range. to be like, oh, this but, team doesn't try, but if they had different expectations earlier, they would have tried and like would have been better. Absolutely. Like the effort level is like, I feel like. But it's it, what, why it's the why Sam it's the why it's why did why do they start why does this thing happen why because these guys have thought that they're 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 the stars that they're the heroes I'm just not willing to attribute causation at this time I feel like we that's need more my, data that's my opinion my opinion is that these guys have came in with their egos boosted after that long playoff run that they went into the finals and these are all guys who are like yo man I just got to the NBA finals. Without you, Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving, and you come in here and you're trying to be like these. If you don't get to the NBA Finals or, or, or a game within the NBA Finals, then you don't get to look at Gordon Hayward and be like, "I'm I'm not. I don't like waiting for you because I was already there and I didn't have you." But when you but like, don't get that, to that, that point, that explains like the first two months of the season. But like exactly. the last couple months of them just not. But putting that the effort fir- in is like. But Sam, if the first two months of the season changed, Ooh, then the getting testy. If the first Things two months of the season, hostile. that for <laughs> God damn you, fuck you. <laughs> now, if the first two months of the season Get aren't what they are, then the rest of the season falls in line. Like the first twenty games, why did the first twenty games happen? Because everyone was going after their own shit. Like, yeah, but then they went like twenty three and nine. Like then they had a good stretch they could have easily built upon because of that. I wish you guys could see how frustrated Corrales looks right now. <laughs> just not. It's just not. You're not getting it. No, it's because like they had it. They turned it around. They had a yeah. Great they stretch. turned it around, but they still have because of that first twenty games. They like immediately sunk back into shittiness. I don't. Need, I don't know what you're. What your you're point saying is. like they they've My, been bad because of like they started out with all these expectations, but then they went twenty like they went ten and ten. Then they had a great stretch, but you're saying they've sunk back to shittiness because of their first twenty games, like because no. of their initial expectations. Like I think there's something no, inherently still bad think- about this team. With maybe you bring up Kyrie's leadership, maybe you bring up like other things, but it's I don't know necessarily. We're, we're going down like. We're going down infinite. This is my objection in the first place. We're going down counterfactuals where there's no ability to prove the other of side. Of course so not. Of course a, not. That's I think this is it's the hardest debate. That's why you embrace frankly, debate. We shouldn't have to be brawl. Whoever wins the brawl wins. I refuse to engage in the debate. <laughs> How about a boxing match? John, John is much larger than me. He would kick my ass. Weak. This is true. Weak. I'm a lover, not a fighter, J.K. Weak. Have we have we come to a natural conclusion to this podcast? I think we have. I think that was one of the most entertaining things I've ever seen. <laughs> Jay King, Notice Jay King honestly, does not weigh Jay in just on threw the, a Molotov cocktail into the middle of this and just sit back man. and watch it burn. Honestly, I wish you guys could have seen Corrales just looking so exasperated and Packard waving his hands in fury. <laughs> <laughs> it was, Jay King sits on the sidelines, yeah. not making a take, just you observing everything. I didn't know what I was getting us into when I put that question out there. It was a question that was brewing for two segments now. So and, yeah, and then the it actually question, lived up to expectations. The question came out, and I thought I was going to see a death match. What's your answer to the question, world? Jay? I don't even know what the question was. What if they get bounced in the first round last season? Yeah, I just I don't think there's nearly the expectations on this this team that there were. I think Tatum and Brown solidify themselves as rising stars, and I think Rozier 
turn himself into a household name that he certainly wasn't before. And I think the expectations would have been way different. I think if they had performed the way they have this season after not having a playoff run last year, we would discard. We would, we would it's discard pains and it's natural. With no, teams. We, we would discard their chances. We would talk about how young they are. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. This would be a totally different conversation. But because they did have that success, and because they beat two bad teams, and because they almost beat LeBron and the cast of bums he had around him in Cleveland, then it's different. And obviously, they do have a lot of talent, and obviously, there are a lot of pieces in Boston. But I do think that run has shaped the conversation from the beginning in ways that this team wasn't ready to live up to. And part of that is just Gordon Hayward wasn't healthy. Mm -hmm. And part of that is that they have a lot of guys who want the ball, need the ball, think they deserve the ball more often. Part of that has just been a confluence of factors. You, you could go down a, a whole list of team dynamics that have – just been all as difficult as it can be but i think it all started with the heightened expectations that they had because they almost reached the finals without kyrie irving and without gordon hayward so i think the best way for me to illustrate my point is that i think part of the problem this season has been that guys aren't able to accept the roles that brad stevens wants and that the celtics need and part of why they're not able to accept that those roles are because they had all of that excess success yeah, last well, season I, I think we heard your points man <laughs> so that's why i said what i said we and, heard you loud and clear my g all right, fine. My essential point I'm was... Not, I'm done with this conversation. I, I, I just wanted to be a You spectator. can't throw fire on this and then say, ah, oh, forget see, it. See, I'm, I'm the chef in this bitch. <laughs> I, I turn Jay on the Kwan stove. The chef. I turn off the Jaquan the chef. I love it. All right, fine. <laughs> Screw this. We're wrapping the show up. I don't care anymore. I, I, I didn't, we're I didn't we're an to, hour I didn't want into this. We've I done didn't two podcasts. In one. I just didn't want us to get into it again. If if you had kept going, I've seen this before. Packer would have gone at your neck. You would have gone back at Packer's neck. There would have been blood all over my apartment. It's a very clean apartment, by the way. It is exceptionally It clean smells here. wonderful. You know what? <laughs> my dad listens to the podcast, and he'll be so shocked to hear that because for really? much of my life, I was not a clean guy, and now I've really stepped it up lately. I've become, a, I've like become an adult, adult human. I mean... I've got candles. <laughs> you candle. got a candle. Candle. No, I've You're got one. other candles too. Oh, he's got the, romance. This is candles. just the one lit. <laughs> Vanilla bean is the truth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. All you new listeners, God help you. Thanks for sticking around this long. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Go ahead and subscribe. Remember, you can subscribe to the show on the new Himalaya Podcast app as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play Locked On Celtics. All you regular listeners, go ahead and give us that five-star rating. Give us a good written review, please. And tell everybody that they should be listening to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.
Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.